Good evening, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Thank you for joining us tonight for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. We are coming to you live on this February evening with the host of this program, Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah, and tonight we will continue our discussion in the Book of Romans, concluding Chapter 11. We have call screeners standing by this evening, and they can be reached at 929-333-3739. So, Pastor Matt, last week we talked a little bit about babies and marriages in our church, and this week we're actually celebrating another engagement. Yeah, we have a young man in our church who was recently engaged, and he happens to be here tonight. (laughs) Hey, Emmanuel, how you doing? And congratulations. Thank you, Pastor Matt. I'm doing great. And do you think Bethany is listening? I think she oh, is. Okay, yes. so we, you got to give her a shout out then. Yes, so, hey, Bethany, how are you? Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. I know she was listening to you in the past when you first had met, you mentioned, and so uh, you must have impressed her. It was because of the radio program. I'm telling you. I think so. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Good to see you tonight. Emmanuel, good to have Brother Charlie back with us this evening on Hello. the Heritage of Faith Conversations. Glad to be back. Yep. Thanks for having me again. Thank you for being here. And this evening, friends, we're going to look in Romans chapter 11 and from verse 25 through 36, the culmination really of three chapters of God's dealing with Israel, God's dealing with Israel in the past, in the present, and now the future. And Paul concludes this section by saying that all Israel shall be saved. What Mm. an incredible statement. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look this evening at how all Israel shall be saved. And we'll begin reading in Romans chapter 11 and verse number 25. And Charlie, if you could get us going there, please. Okay, starting verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and he shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For for this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For For the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in the times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so have these also now not believed, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. O oh, the depths of the riches both of wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things. 
to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we'll pray this evening. Brother Charlie? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for tonight. Lord, I pray now that as we delve into this passage of Scripture, Lord, I pray that we uh, do it justice by just simply expounding the plain truth that is here. Lord, I pray that if anybody is listening in that is confused about this, Lord, uh, maybe even somebody that has been under the influence of bad teaching, Lord, they would just come away uh, enlightened to truth, Lord, and with a conviction in their heart that you keep your promises, O Father. And I pray also for any that might be listening that might not be saved, that this would prompt in them a desire to want to search for truth that uh, would lead them to you to get saved. That asks us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know how many doxologies... Paul gives in the book of Romans? It just occurred to me as we read that. It's like, well, in chapter 9 and and verse number 5, he says, God bless it forever. Amen. Mm. And then... And here, it's like he f- he's finishing the book to him, yeah, yeah. the glory forever, amen. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then at the end of chapter number 16, he says, the last verse 33, now the God of peace be with you all, amen. And then in verse 24 of chapter 16, he gives another one, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. How many is this now? This is like the fifth one. Five, yeah. Amen. Yeah. And then he finishes it to, to God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever, Amen. I never even thought of that until right That's now. That's amazing. He, he says, amen, and then he says, but another thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know, he's like a preacher. He says, okay, I'm almost done. <laughs> okay, well, what a, what a wonderful passage of Scripture we're going to consider tonight, dear friends. Romans chapter 11, all Israel shall be saved. And this passage concludes a major section of Romans. The first section of Romans deals with sin. And then the second major section deals with God's salvation. A third major section from Romans 6, 7, and 8 deals with sanctification. And then 9, 10, and 11, we summarize with the word sovereignty, God's sovereignty, especially in relationship to Israel's past, present, and future. And then in chapters 12 to the end, we see service. So that's a good outline for the book of Romans alliterated with S's, sin, salvation, sanctification, sovereignty, and service. In this passage of Scripture, we see how God is going to turn the prodigal nation back to himself. God is mighty to rescue those who rebel against him, whether they are individual prodigal sons or even whole nations that turn against him and become his enemies. And so God is going to bring the fullness of salvation to Israel. They will come back as alive from the dead, as a valley of dry bones raised up again. And God is going to graft them in again into his olive tree. And Israel will live. The pro- God's promises take a while sometimes to mm. be fulfilled. Yeah, don't yeah. They? <laughs> from a human perspective, yeah. From yeah. a human perspective, yeah. I mean, he promised to Abraham mm. and that, that all Israel will be... That, um, that the, all the nations of the world will be blessed through Israel. He would give them a, this seed who would be a, a king. And, you know, so this is the fulfillment of, of these great promises of yeah. God's salvation of Israel. It's an incredible thing. So this evening we'll look in Romans chapter 11, beginning at verse 25. And as we begin, Micah, mm-hmm. verse 25, Paul tells us that blindness is happened to Israel in part. Yeah. And he gives a a really wonderful expression. He says, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. So what, 
Let's talk about this expression, the fullness of the Gentiles. And were you going to read Luke chapter 21? Also, verse 24? Okay, so let me read that verse also, because I think both of these verses kind of come in together. Here is Jesus speaking of end-time events in Luke chapter 21. And in verse 24, Jesus says, They shall fall by the edge of the sword, shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So there it mm. seems like the times of the Gentiles has some relationship to to trotting down or to, to, to keeping Jerusalem under subjection or as a place of, of warfare. Mm. And so the times of the Gentiles used by Jesus, the fullness of the Gentiles used mm-hmm. by Paul. So let's talk about that. Yeah, well, you know, I could go a couple different ways with this, but I believe, as you do, Pastor, that the earth is approximately 6,000 years old. We talked about that when we went through Genesis 1 through 11. But it's pretty incredible to understand that that time period, it can be broken up into thirds. So there's three 2,000-year periods. And for the first third, starting at approximately 4,000 B.C., God was working through the family and descendants of Adam and Eve. But around the year 2000, as you mentioned just with Abraham, as humanity moved into this middle third time period and shortly after the people had been divided at the Tower of Babel, God's focus shifted to another and more specific family, the family of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob's 12 sons. And God formed this special relationship with these patriarchs and their descendants became his chosen people, the Jews, the nation of Israel. So it was during this time that the Hebrew, Hebrew scriptures were, of course, written as God spoke through prophets and priests and kings. And the obvious climax of this middle period was the life, death, and resurrection of the king of the Jews, Jesus Christ. But we see here in Romans that because the majority of the Jewish people then rejected their Messiah and king, well, God's focus shifted again. And for this third period of human history from the first century through modern day, God has worked through the Gentile nations. And we know that the gospel of Jesus Christ, it moved quickly throughout the Roman Empire and then spread to the uttermost parts of the earth. And according to Paul, it has been throughout this time period that the blindness has happened to Israel in part. Now, one fact that I should mention is that there is an expiration date on this time period of Jewish blindness. And while no one knows the day or the hour, that blindness, it will expire the moment that the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Apparently, we're not quite at that moment, but most of us would agree that we're pretty close. Yeah. Does that mean Jesus won't come back until 3000 AD in, in your timing? Or No, I'm just kidding. I'm thinking 2000 oh. years after his resurrection. Oh, so oh, depending oh, on oh, 2000 <laughs> years. Oh, okay. So it could be any time. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Well, that was excellent, Micah. And that was so well laid out, and I, I really appreciate that. The times of the Gentiles, and some look at it as a time where the spiritual privileges pass, as you kind of mentioned, or is that what you're saying, kind of the, the, the spiritual privileges kind of went from God especially working in and through it, a, yeah. a nation, Israel, yeah. to all the Gentile nations through the church. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't look at the last 2,000 years and think that God was really working through the Jewish people over the last 2,000 years. He's been working through yeah. the Gentile church. Right, right. Charlie, did you want to add to that? Uh, yes, in Ephesians chapter 3, he kind of mentions this as well, that this was a mystery about the new yeah. man that you have 
you'd always had in history past mm-hmm. uh, through his prophecies that you have obviously Israel. Yeah. And even prior to when he was still just working with humankind and just dealing with Abram and then saying that he's going to make of him, you know, many nations and mm-hmm. then his fam- you know, he's going to be blessed all the families of the earth. But in Ephesians 3, now we have this new creation, which was a mystery uh, before all that uh, the 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 Jew and Gentile coming together, the middle wall partition mm. being broke down, and now you have a new man, both Jew and t- Gentile risen up, uh, through which God is going to work. And this was not known in previous time. This was mm. not known in the past, mm-hmm. but now is. And with this fullness, um, it could be seen as two different ways. Some individuals would say that uh, the fullness being this time period when God not only, it's going to culminate at, at a certain point that God determines, obviously we don't know when yeah. uh, or how, mm-hmm. but uh, it could be that maybe the last person would be saved within the church age and then mm-hmm. God takes up. Or it could be as well uh, that as with the Amorites in uh previous time when Abram was still yet to come into the land fully, mm-hmm. but he was walking around about and he would not have him go in uh, fully because he said that the, the iniquity of the Amorites is Was not, not yet, yet full. full. Mm-hmm. And so that could be uh, as if you get into dispensations, that each dispensation that there was a transition from one to the other because of the failure of, uh, I'm sorry, you have you have the failure of the previous dispensation. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the person that was being worked through failed in their capacity or their responsibility to some degree. And mm-hmm. so God said, okay, I'm moving on to work a new work. Now, obviously, salvation is still by grace through faith, and it's never changed, even till this day, and then even into the future when he's going to go work through Israel again. So that's not different. It's just simply the medium through whom he works uh, for his ultimate plan. That's true. I mean, the times of the Gentiles are not going to be complete because... Oh, the Gentiles have been so become so good. Mm. All of them have become saved. Mm. No, it's because they've really they've trodden down Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. They have become they have turned to God in such rebellion. God will come in judgment to the unbelieving Gentile nations. And many people do believe that the times of the Gentiles began during the days of Babylon when they came in and took Israel captive. Mm. And then after Babylon, there were other Gentile kingdoms, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and then Rome. So that even in New Testament times, Rome still ruled over Israel. So that was the times of the Gentiles. Mm. And even today, Israel is not fully under control of national Israel. Even Jerusalem. Yeah. is not. Yeah. And yeah. and so the time we're still in these times mm-hmm. of the Gentiles, but when Jesus comes back, the times of Gentiles will be complete. Emmanuel, did you want to add to this as well? Yes, I mean, I agree with everything that you said, especially Charlie, you said that this was mentioned in the Old Testament as well. So one of the uh, places where it is in Psalms 22 verse 28 it says, "All the ends of the of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord." Mm. And all the kindreds and nations shall worship thee. So they kind of knew that the Gentiles will come in. But on the flip side, when we talk about the fullness of the Gentiles, mm-hmm. what it to me what stood out was God's heart and mercy. Yes. Like, e- if you think about that, God will wait till the last person will be saved. Mm. It's like God is tolerating all the evil mm. 
mm-hmm. and we see around and a lot of people ask why doesn't god judge mm. and god has his reasons mm. and one of them is he wants every single person to be given a chance mm. to be That's saved right. and to come to his family mm-hmm. and and if you think about it the other way that uh, god is waiting till the fullness of the sins of the gentiles to be done god is giving the gentiles every single chance available yeah. to accept him Amen. so it it shows me the heart of god yeah that he's a good god that he's a loving god and he's a merciful god he is waiting dear friend this morning we looked at the parable of that incredible unfathomable father full of grace waiting for his prodigal son to come home and looking for him so he is looking for you dear friends his eyes are upon you if you are not saved and he is waiting for you to come to him and when you do when you make that move of faith he will run to you dear friend he will run to you and he will embrace you in his arms of love and he will shower you with his mercy and with his kisses of grace and salvation and forgiveness so come to him tonight believe on him and uh, as a brother Emmanuel just uh, shared that that God is withholding is and not coming back and establishing his kingdom maybe here on earth maybe he's not yet done that because you still need to be saved this evening give us a call at 929-333-3739 we have loving call screeners that would love to share the gospel with you tonight 929-333-3739. Do you have any questions about your salvation? Are you assured of eternal life? Or are you doubting your salvation? Or maybe you've backslidden away from God, but tonight you're just listening to this program by chance. But there you are. And you need somebody to pray with you because of what you're going through. So call us this evening, 929-333-3739. Yeah, and Pastor Matt, as you and Emmanuel both were just talking, I just wanted to read a verse that you know many of our listeners probably know, but Second Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his mm. promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering sl- long to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is patient. Yes, Amen. he is. He will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So this evening, we're going to look at four different reasons, truths, why all Israel will be saved. One is because of God's promises. Two, because of God's election. Three, because of God's mercy. And four, because of God's power. All Israel will be saved. So first, we look at verse 25 through 27. And Charlie, we see here the promises of God. And in this context of verses 25 through 27, let's let's drill down a little bit on this expression then. All Israel shall be saved. And some people say, well, what does that mean? Does it actually mean all Israel? So what does all Israel being saved mean? Well, if you want to just take it at face value grammatically, you to translate it, King James Bible does a very good job, and it literally means all Israel shall be saved. That's not to be a jerk or sarcastic, but simply that's the truth. All Israel will be saved. We know this uh, not only because this is preserved word of God uh, that God has for us for today, uh, inspired by his Holy Spirit, 
but also the fact that God has promised that he will not, um, and we'll see this a little bit later on, not to jump ahead, but that uh, his gifts and calling are without repentance. God keeps his word. God is faithful to keep his promises. Mm -hmm. Uh, If we were to go back into the book of Hebrews, if we were to go uh, to many other portions of scripture, the fact is is that God, even though, well, we see with Abraham, uh, Abraham, he's counted as faithful when you see in Hebrews 11, uh, not only did he leave uh, or of the Chaldees and to go to a land uh, of which he knew not, mm-hmm. uh, didn't even know really direction other than just God told him go, mm-hmm. and then he went. Uh, but we see that he was given promise that he would have an heir uh, through which all the families on the earth would be blessed. We see he stumbled in that, but the recorded scripture that we read earlier in our study here in. Uh, excuse me, in Romans, mm-hmm. uh, that he staggered not at the promises and counted him faithful, um, that, you know, God is able to do what he said he's mm-hmm. going to do. Um, in Hebrews, he, we're told that uh, uh, we're, uh, we have an anchor uh, that's short and steadfast. And so, in other words, that hope, which is an expectation that God is going to follow through, is because he's able to do what he said he's going to do. Uh, his character, in other words, he backs up what he says. Mm-hmm. He has the ability to be able to do so, and he it, he has he has the character. He's, he has the integrity. He follows through on what he says he's going to do. So we know uh, that all Israel will be saved because of the character of God. Uh, we also would read in Revelation as well that there is going to be a great number. You're going to have at least 124,000 male virgin Jewish evangelists that mm-hmm. go go through preach the gospel and an innumerable amount of people within the tribulation period are going to come to know jesus as savior yeah yeah that's right uh, and that is a powerful passage that in revelation chapter 11 it says twelve thousand from those various tribes and so that definitely people from every tribe but as you're saying i agree with you charlie all does mean all there and that and we'll we'll see a few scriptures but he says in Romans chapter 11, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And so when Jesus Christ comes back, he will come back in such glory that every eye is going to see him and turn from their sin and turn to the Redeemer. Mm -hmm. And that is a quotation from Isaiah chapter 59, verse 20, by the way, and I'll read just Isaiah 59, verse 20. It says, and the Redeemer shall come to Zion, that is Jesus, unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. Micah, did you have a comment about that? Yeah, you know, as we're mentioning, you know, this ultimate revival of the Jewish people prophesied in the Old Testament, and it will occur, of course, in the future during the seven-year tribulation. You know, those that are going to be saved, they're going to be miraculously surviving this seven-year period, the time of Jacob's trouble. And following their salvation, they're going to be brought into this millennial kingdom. And as I was thinking about it, it just strikes me that there may be a biblical parallel to this event when looking back at the wilderness wandering of Israel. So remember that it was during that time, too, that God promised to supernaturally sustain the children of Israel and bring them into the promised land. And when they came in, all Israel was saved, but only all Israel who had survived the wilderness wandering. So those 20 years and over, those who had rejected the Lord's offer to bring them into the promised land 40 years earlier, they perished in the wilderness, just like many will perish during the tribulation. But Joshua and Caleb and those under 20 years old would all be spared 
they would all be protected and they would mm. all be saved. So in Numbers 14:31 God said, "But your little ones, them will I bring in and they shall know the land which ye have despised. So I, I found it to be a pretty interesting parallel that's reiterated in this prophetic statement in Romans 11. Yeah, there are so many prophecies, but my heart just went to Joel chapter 2, where it talks about how the sun is going to turn into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord shall come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. So that's mm. Romans ten thirteen. Yeah. Quoted in Joel. Mm-hmm. And and it's specifically related to the coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation when he comes in glory. And it says in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, it's exactly like Isaiah fifty nine, mm. that he's gonna come back to Jerusalem and Mount Zion, the Mount of Olives specifically, shall be deliverance. Mm. Shall be deliverance. Whoever will call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Will you call on him tonight, dear friends? If you have not called on the Lord, let this night be the night, the day of your salvation. And you can call us, and we would love to pray with you regarding that at 929-333-3739. Okay, so we're going to move on now and, and kind of follow up with this now, all Israel being saved. And there are two passages of Scripture in the book of Zechariah. The first one is in Zechariah chapter 12, verses 9 through 14, that tell of the salvation of all Israel when Jesus returns. So, Manuel, can you summarize this passage of Scripture in Zechariah 12? I don't know if you want to read the whole piece of it, but it, maybe read a portion of it at least, or Absolutely. the whole of it if you like. Zechariah chapter 12, verses 9 through 14. If you could summarize that for us and tell and give us and tell us how it, it tells of the coming salvation of Israel. Yes, Pastor. Uh, but before going to 9 to 14, I just want to give some background on the first half of the chapter as well. Mm. So if you read Zechariah 12, and I recommend everyone does, it, it reads like the climax of an epic story mm. or a saga. Mm. And it actually is. It's, it's the yeah. summary of God saving his people. But in the beginning of the chapter, the, uh, the word of the Lord prophesies that uh, Jerusalem will be like a drunkenness for the nations. That basically means that people will want to possess the nation of Israel and Jerusalem. And in a way, we see this in our world right now. Mm-hmm. The nations around Israel want to conquer it. And, and it's been happening for a while, but it will keep getting worse. And, and it says that God will supernaturally empower Jerusalem to defend itself and give them a strength, an outpouring of strength. Jerusalem will, the governors of Jerusalem will be supernaturally empowered to defend them. Mm. And the people, even the weakest of the weak, will be as strong as David, who is known for his fighting skill and his power. So the, the spirit of the God, mm. the spirit of God will work mightily in Israel. Mm-hmm. And this is the backdrop. And that's when we come to Uh, Zechariah uh, chapter 12 verse 9 to 14 and I'll read some of it and it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy the nations that come against Jerusalem and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. So it is this outpouring of the spirit of grace and supplication that 
enables the Jews to realize what they have done. Mm. Uh, they pierced him and, and they, they mm. crucified the Lord of glory. And without God rescuing them in the first part and just enabling them through his Holy Spirit, they would not recognize that. Yeah. And they will mourn like, like nothing else. Mm. Uh, later on, it says that, And the land shall mourn every family apart, the family of the house of David apart, their wives apart, and the family of the house of Nathan apart. It's, it's in a way, Israel mourned when King Josiah was killed. Mm. All the nation was weeping. Yeah, yeah, the, the entire nation. And it's passages like this that kind of blow us away. relating to Bible prophecy, the fulfillment, the specific fulfillment of Bible prophecy, because it says they will look upon me whom they have pierced. And he was pierced on that cross, Mm -hmm. and there's no doubt about that. And here it's prophesied by Zechariah hundreds of years before it happened. This is an amazing passage, though, where it talks about the sincerity but yet the individuality of the weeping and the mourning where it talks about the families and the wives and and then the specific tribal families the house of levi and their wives and the family of shimei and so it's talking about the nation with sincerity in individuality but yet with a totality from the king to the priest to the peasant all classes of people all genders of people, the men with their wives, will be weeping and looking upon him whom they pierced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, you know, I was reading this, and, you know, it's a pretty famous passage. Most Christians have heard it, and some know it well. Um, and the verse that jumped out at me, I think, is a little bit less well-known. Um, it, it reads, it's verse 11, it reads, And in that day shall there be great mourning in Jerusalem, as the mourning of ha- Hadad Ramon in the valley of Megiddo. And em- Emmanuel just um, referenced this, that it's the mourning of King Josiah. He's a man in Scripture who call, who is called the greatest king of Judah. You know, he was a king whose heart was turned to the Lord more than any king before him or after him, Scripture says. And listen to how Josiah was mourned perpetually by Israel. It says in Second Chronicles thirty-five, thirty-two, and Jeremiah lamented for Josiah, and all the singing men and all the singing women spake of Josiah in their lamentations to this day, and made them an ordinance in Israel. And behold, they are written in the lamentation. So Zechariah, five hundred years before Jesus's birth, he references King Josiah as a type of Christ. So Zechariah, he he prophesies that in that in that day, far in the future, when Israel mourns the death of the Messiah, the only two events to compare it to will be the mourning of an only son and the mourning over Judah's greatest king. And so those are both an obvious reference to Jesus. Yeah, and the world will mock when we say it, but the Bible is true. Jesus Christ is coming again. And it's even in the Bible, the mocking of the world, they'll say, where is the promise of his coming? Mm. It's in the Bible. That's mm-hmm. where the promise of his coming is. Amen. And Amen. he is going to come again. And as it says in Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, John takes this passage from Zechariah 12 and quotes it in the book of the Revelation, where he says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, every eye shall see him, they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. Okay, so let's go to the second passage of Scripture, Micah, that also, in Zechariah, relates to 
all Israel being saved. And this is in Zechariah chapter 13, and maybe you want to read these verses, but verses 7 through 9, what do these verses tell us about Israel's future salvation at the end of the tribulation time? Okay, uh, so the answer to this question is not politically correct, but it is scripture and it is prophecy. So in Zechariah 13, the prophet looks into the future to the time of the great tribulation, and he sees that two-thirds of the scattered sheep of Israel will be cut off. Those sheep have been scattered because their true shepherd, their good shepherd and savior, was himself cut off and smited. So in verse 9, God says, And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined, and I will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people, and they shall say, The Lord is my God. And so God, through Zechariah, says that although two-thirds of the people of Israel will not make it through the tribulation, they're going to perish, the one-third that do live will have been perfected just like gold and silver, which is refined in a fire. And only then will they be prepared to receive their good shepherd and risen Messiah, Jesus Christ. Again, in that day, all Israel will be saved, but it's true that only one-third of Israel will even survive until that day. Yeah. And another thing about Bible prophecy is how one prophecy is fulfilled, but then there's a gap, a large gap of time. Mm -hmm. Because in verse 7, it says, smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So that's relating to the times of Christ. And yet, then the next verse, it goes on and talking about things that have not yet happened 2,000 years later. Yeah, you know? yeah, so amazing. Bible prophecy mm -hmm. is amazing. But we have... But here's why we believe in the fulfillment of Bible prophecy in the future. Mm. Because the prophecies that were given for past things have happened. Yeah. And they've happened li literally. Mm -hmm. Jesus was smitten and the disciples scattered. Yeah. So that's a literal fulfillment of this prophecy. Mm -hmm. So just as that was fulfilled literally, so will the things that have not yet been fulfilled. Mm. Okay, so let's go to our phone call. We have Pat is on the line, and we're, we're at a kind of a stopping point. This, it's a question that's a bit off subject, but it's a, of interest, I think. So, uh, Pat, thank you for calling, and you're on the Heritage oh. of Faith Conversations program. Oh, I thank you, Pastor. I don't think it's off, off base here. Um, I just wanted to let you know, I want to know how you feel and your fellow workers in Christ feel on the radio about the Pope giving some sort of go-ahead for um, some type of blessings for homosexuals, and how um, the bishop, the African bishop, totally denounced what the Pope is doing, and I, I just want you to know how you feel and how we who listen to your program every week to take this as true Christians. Yeah, well, Pat, uh, the Pope is an Antichrist, so it does not surprise me that he would make such evil statements and confusing statements, because I have actually uh, a friend who recently went back to the Catholic Church, and he's saying, oh, the media is misrepresenting what the Pope is saying. But like you said, the African bishops are not misrepresenting. They're, yeah. they're, they're Roman Catholics. Yeah. yeah. And, and then I read e this week, 
and I'm not following this like really closely, but I did read where the Pope is saying, well, those African bishops, they can have their own interpretation because they're more conservative than the rest of the, well, the world kind of a thing. So they, they're, they're okay for disagreeing, but the rest of you better not. So the, the Pope is a, a false teacher. He is not a Bible man. He is a false Christ taking the very place of Christ. So it, it is but, evil, but, and to put it, any kind of to put any kind of blessing upon a homosexual relationship is is not godly. It is not of God. Well, he's saying that he's not totally agreeing. It's not um, church um, teaching, but and um, I work for uh, uh, um, I work for a psychi- in a psychiatrist's office, and there's. A couple. Anyway, I open up one of the um, eyeglass magazine that comes every month that I take and throw out. And there they are in one of the articles. They are uplifting the Pope. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, what is going on? You well, know, he's yeah. blind as. He's, he's well, a lot of Catholics are up in arms about, about this yes. Pope, Pat. They, really uh, Micah would like to make a comment. Can Mike, Micah would like to make okay. a comment here. Oh, Pat, so I just I just wanted to say, you know, I definitely, we all agree with you. Um, I think the interesting thing about this pope is he came in in 2013, I believe. He's been there for 11 years. And I think right from the beginning, we knew that he was going to come in and do things that contradicted the Bible. But it's he did it in the, the smartest way that people do it. You know, he speaks out of both sides of his mouth. He says one thing. He says something else. He he. He's quoted by journalists, but then they say, oh, that wasn't an exact quote. It's like a drip, drip, drip. You know, one minute he's saying behind the scenes, oh, I don't really believe anyone's going to hell. Oh, we can bless homosexual relationships. And then the next minute he's saying, oh, but that's not necessarily church doctrine. It's just church practice. So this guy is a schemer and a scammer. And if the Bible warned of false prophets and wolves in sheep's clothing, they were talking about Pope Francis. Yep. Okay, well, Pat, we're going to have to let you go, Pat. I'm sorry, but the time is going to get away from us here. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to have to let you go here. Thank you, though. I really appreciate hearing from you. All these years. And what we're going to do, we're going to go to a song here because we want to talk about the mercy of God. That's what we're talking about this evening, dear friends. And you need to receive God's mercy. And so if you need us to pray with you to receive God's mercy, you call us right now at 929-333-3739. Call us right now. God's mercy is here.
broken and a contrite heart, you won't turn away. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Because of your steadfast love. Father of mercy, you gave your Son to make atonement for the wrongs I Fulfilled. I don't deserve it, and I never will. If you would count everything that I've done wrong, who could stand that there's forgiveness with you, gone? Have mercy on me, have mercy on me, a broken and a contrite heart, you won't turn away. of your steadfast Does, friend, have a steadfast love, an unfathomable love, an unstoppable love, and he loves you tonight, and he will have mercy. And if you're if your heart is echoing with that prayer of that song to have that God would have mercy on you, give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. And that's what we want to talk about. That's what we are talking about, how God's mercy is going to be upon Israel and bring salvation to them because of his promises, but because of his election in verses 27 through 29. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. As touching election, Israel is beloved for the Father's sake. So, Charlie, if you could look at these verses and share with us how is Israel described in Romans chapter 11, verses 27 to 29. Um, immediately what comes to mind is John 1.12. Mm. Uh, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Uh, 
we hear Jesus uh, towards the end of his Passion Week when he's up on the mount looking over the city of Jerusalem. He cries out, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets. Mm. How oft would I have gathered thee as a hen gathereth her chicks, but mm. thou wouldest not. Mm -hmm. And so he says of them very particularly here that for the gospel they are enemy. In other words, as wholesale, mm -hmm. not every individual, but as wholesale, because the Bible does say that, uh, um, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the son of God. So we know there were many in Israel that would get saved mm -hmm. during Jesus' time and following and even present day, but wholesale as a nation, they reject him. So for with regard to the enemy, they're expecting a political leader to come in and take over and make Israel and Jerusalem the physical capital of a nation that's going to rule the world. Hmm. But uh, they're not interested at all. Uh, now, you do have individuals. Right. But it says here, and additionally, that uh, for the election's sake, they are beloved. So in other words, God is going to keep his promises. He hasn't kicked them to the curb. Mm -hmm. He might have temporarily set him aside mm -hmm. with regard to usefulness, but his love hasn't in any way diminished towards them. Yeah. And he has a plan that he wants to fulfill. And isn't Paul speaking from personal experience? <laughs> yes. Having been an enemy of the gospel, but yet being becoming elect. And really, it's a picture of what he's going to do to the whole nation. Emmanuel, did you have a comment there? Yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the election of God. So um, if the goodness of the Israelites did not make them the elect people, it was God choosing them. Their sin cannot make them the rejected people. Mm, that's mm -hmm. right. And uh, just I wanted to read from Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 8, which says, and this is God talking to Israel, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, the Lord thy God had chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are on the face of the earth. And verse 7 is awesome. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fierce of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers. Amen. That's right. Amen. Good. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I, without being redundant, hopefully it's it's just this passage is so clearly saying that even in unbelief, Israel retains that special place among the nations. Their calling to be God's people has not and will not be taken away from them as long as the earth is still standing. But remember verse 29, for instance, it says their gift and their calling, but it does not say that salvation comes without repentance. Um, the gift and the calling, yes, comes without repentance, but salvation, no, not without repentance. Romans is very clear about that. And from the Old Testament to the New, each individual, Jew or Gentile, as Charlie is saying, must repent and believe. Yeah, That's and right. God's promises... God's gracious blessings of promise upon Israel mm -hmm. will not be revoked. Yep. They're irrevocable. Mm -hmm. And so God is good. And all Israel will be saved. That's his promise. And it's because Israel is the nation of his election. And it's because of God's mercy. So as we go into verse 30 through 32, Emmanuel, what, does, what do these verses tell us about God's mercy in relationship to our salvation. Yes. So, well, our salvation is God's gift. It's it's out of his grace and mercy. There's nothing in m us that saved us. So, I, there's nothing that would justify God to save us, mm. but he still does. Mm. And I won't speak for others, but I'll speak for myself. I hated God 
there was a time where i did not want to hear god's word mm. didn't want did not want to hear god's name mm. but god despite my hardened heart had mercy on me mm. and he saved me praise the lord and and but where did that salvation come from it came from the cross and how that's did right. the cross happen well, right. let's just imagine and i think your testimony is all of our testimonies yes that's right. exactly you know? <laughs> yes yeah and uh, but so we, we were like Israel too. So we're not. And can I just say quick, we're not being anti-Semitic to yeah. say you know Israel is God's enemy. We, we were all God's enemy when we were yeah. lost in sin. We're we're being realistic, yeah. and that there's hope for Israel just as there's there was hope for you and I. Yes, yes. Yeah. And and I wanted to talk a bit more about the salvation. Like how did the salvation come? It came came at the cross. But imagine if when Jesus came to Earth, and he said, "I am Lord." Caiaphas would be like, okay, I believe you. And he started worshiping him. Mm. Would we have the cross? Mm. No. But Caiaphas and the Pharisees, because of their unbelief, God used it mm-hmm. to bring salvation to us. Mm. Good point, man. Mm-hmm. And, and in the same way, we have, that is why it says in verse 30, we have obtained mercy through the unbelief of the Jews. Amen. Yeah. 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 You know, f- I, I agree with everything Amanda said. You know, from one perspective, it's a tough one to swallow that through the unbelief of God's chosen people, those people who were not originally chosen, the Gentiles, they receive that benefit. But I thought that illustration you just gave, Emmanuel, was so good, just that even just when you look at that that specific moment in time when the people of Jerusalem rejected the Messiah, that because of that he went to the cross and because of that he rose again and we have this option to become saved. And I do find it a comfort, you know, as, as we've said throughout this program, I do find it a comfort that anyone bothered by, you know, this biblical concept should also find it a comfort that each individual is offered the same gift of the resurrected Son of God, the same gift of eternal life from the Father. And, you know, when we're talking about these ethnic categories here, I just am convicted that they cease inside the human heart. Inside my heart, I am a human being. I am created by God. He loves me. He's waiting for me to come to him. I have come to him. Friends, if you're out there, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. Come to the Lord our God. Yeah, and this is an amazing thing. It doesn't make human sense that we have obtained mercy through their unbelief, but you explained it well. It was through their unbelief of rejecting Christ that we have obtained the mercy of the cross and salvation and the gospel. But then it says, even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. So now we are here extending mercy. We're to be people of mercy to Jewish people and Gentiles, but to dear Jewish people. And we do beckon those of you who are of the physical seed of Jacob, and you call yourself Israelite, that God will have mercy upon you, and you can believe on his son Jesus Christ, the one who fulfills all the promises of your prophets, dear friends. And we want you, and our heart yearns for you to obtain mercy. That's right, yes. We read in Revelation chapter 4 that out of every kindred, every tongue, every people, and every nation, Mm. there's going to be those that are going to be round about the throne of God, worshiping him. And literally every family Mm. on the face of this planet is going to have at least one individual from out of it that would have been blessed and come to know 
Jesus as his Savior. The thing was, Israel was originally called not only to be God's vehicle through which Messiah was to come, but they were to be a light unto the nations, the mm-hmm. Gentiles. Mm-hmm. That was original his intent. Now, they disregarded that mm-hmm. through their sin, and now that's what we're called uh, to follow Christ's example, as he tells us in uh, his Sermon on the Mount, you know, that you are the light of the world. And so that's a very heavy responsibility uh, that we should take serious. The fact is we don't have a very long amount of time on this planet Mm. to do so. That's right. That's right. Praise God. So lastly, dear friends, we come to the conclusion of Romans chapter 11, and we see God's power. So God will save Israel because of his promises, his election of them, his mercy, and his power. So Micah, how does Paul conclude this incredible section dealing with Israel's salvation. Yeah, well, as you're reading through, you know, Paul really, he changes his tone of voice in these final verses of chapter 11. And to me, it feels like almost a sigh of relief because for three chapters now, he has been explaining the role of Israel in God's plan for the salvation of the world. And he's come at it, you know, this subject from several different angles. And Paul, he really wants the church to get this right. So he makes specific theological arguments. He draws on multiple Old Testament Testament references, and he gives detailed illustrations. But in the end, Paul also acknowledges the fact that as much as he can explain about God, there is still a mystery and there is still faith. So verses 33 and 34 say, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord and who hath been his counselor? So it's just awesome that Paul admits that while God has revealed so much to him, even he doesn't understand everything. And mm-hmm. God is infinite after all, and the human mind is finite. So instead of Paul lamenting that his knowledge of God is limited, he stands in utter awe of the Lord. And the final verse of the passage says, speaking of God, For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Micah. And dear friends, God is so powerful and mighty. His riches and knowledge cannot be exhausted. His ways cannot be fully traced. His plans cannot be questioned. His resources will never run dry. And we invite you to Heritage Baptist Church on Sunday. We would love to have you come to one of our services at 10 a.m. We have a Bible study hour for all ages at 11 a.m. is our morning service. We meet at 490 Hudson Street on Sunday morning. And if you have access to a website, you can just go to H bcnyc.org. Those are all initials for Heritage Baptist Church, New York City, hbcnyc.org. And you can also join us on Zoom if you'd rather just tune into a Zoom service and see what it's like. We also have YouTube messages as well as our sermons on Sermon Audio. So, Charlie, thank you for being here tonight. Thanks and for, for sharing me. the gospel and the word of God. Thank you, Emmanuel. Thank Congratulations you. to Thank you, you and Bethany. <laughs> and you're both in our prayers. And dear friends, as we conclude tonight, it says, For of him and through him and to him are all things. And that speaks to us that God is the originator of all. He's the designer of all. And he is the ultimate purpose. To him be glory forever and ever. So let us live unto him our originator, our designer, and the one 
who has given us life and breath, that we would live for His glory, for His eternal purposes. And that is also to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation. So we're going to continue next week in Romans 12 as we move from sovereignty to service. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website hbcnyc.org and join us again next Sunday at 6pm for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord.